We're We the People. And we're recording from the occupied territory of the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi people. Or what you probably know to be Chicago. And the Chumash, Keech, and Tatavian people. Or Los Angeles. Guess what? We're all on stolen land. Take a second to learn whose land you occupy. And take meaningful, direct action to decolonize and restore these lands to their rightful stewards. Action items and resources can be found in the link tree on our Instagram, at We The People Present. good for me baby was it good for you yeah hi hi everyone what's up (laughs) on that note what's going on everybody what's up welcome to we the people present i'm lionel i'm dana i'm asia i'm tina we're getting good at this yes we did just in time for our Final our season wrap up. <laughs> yeah. Our final season, Lionel. Are you quitting the podcast? <laughs> oh, season wrap up. Season. Yeah, he said end. season wrap up. Oh, I heard final season wrap up. I was like, oh, are we done? Actually, we Asia, you're about quitting the podcast. Um, we're forcing you out. Oh, great. Okay, bye, everyone. <laughs> Should I just go now? No. Yes. Stay. No, we need you right now. That was sound effect jokes. <laughs> But this is what we need for our next, when we start our next season, is one of those soundboards. Oh, yeah. Like I'm You're never Rec. fully dressed without, I went to Annie. We need to get one of those, like, things you can put Fart on the machine. floor for your dog, where you can click, I love you, sound machine, must eat food now. Because that's how I think a machine dog. Please, outside. Now. Outside. Please. Now. Outside. Bed. I love, I love that. It's so it. good. It's so close to up. I love you dogs. <laughs> Squirrel. <Aww>. Squirrel. <laughs> Sentimental. I know. Boy, I y'all. Yeah, Dan is on fire with the Pixar references these I past know. couple weeks. I don't know why. <laughs> Pixar, Dan Pixar and lives Pixar. rent-free in my head. Yeah. Although, to be fair, last week when you made that reference, I immediately went to the original source right. classic right. musical, Hello, Dolly, because right. I have always been... Who I am. <laughs> wanna see it. Wanna go there. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. It's not in the song show at all, but I felt like it could have been. I um. want someone to intercut Lionel's songs throughout this entire time. Just all of his singing. It'd be amazing. Oh, it's that? maybe my favorite thing. <laughs> I li- I- <laughs> We it's never that cut you off. We never want to cut you off. Y'all let me go off. so long, and when I hear it back, I'm always like, I'm really screaming for help, and no one comes in. <laughs> we don't see it that way, Lionel. Um, no. Thank you we're so just much. Here for the, we're just here to go on the roller coaster with yeah. you. Yeah. We Thank love you. the ride. Please keep your hands and feet inside at all times, truly. And speaking of hands. Speaking of hands. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> oh, that was not not the best segue. Oh, no, but good. I thought, I I thought the it. same thing. I loved it. I just censored myself from saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess our our uh, round robin this week is: What song do you wash your hands to? If you still wash your hands to a song, fun fact: I do not. Me you neither. Did you ever? <laughs> uh, I did in the beginning. I just I guess I tried a few, but it didn't work for me. So I would just wash my hands until. I got bored. <laughs> Till they were raw. <laughs> Till they bled. I just count to 20. Like, <laughs> I just count the number. <laughs> I think my method was like, is this long enough? Um, Probably not. So I'm just going to wait another full round until I'm like, is this long enough? I would just like to, cl- just to say, and then keep going. We just talked about washing hands and I reach for hand sanitizer. Like the thought of all of this still gives me anxiety. I reach for sanitizer. Just yeah. because we start talking about hands. Like, yeah. oh. Well, and you're fully vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> fully vaccinated. <laughs> Still. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Like, we got to keep, like, keep this up. Yeah. Post COVID. Yeah. Keep up hand the... washing is fantastic. Yeah. It's it only made our hands is. look like we're all 80, but it's okay. What a hundred I look like a lizard or <laughs> like the scales of the movie of the creature from the movie Josh and I caught last night. Piranaconda. Oh no! <laughs> was it as bad as I think it is? As it it was worse. 
this. Oh, but is it? Did it go up full circle where it's so bad that it's the, that you're enjoying it? Oh, absolutely. I okay, had a good. lot of fun being like, "We all have big teeth." <laughs> Just like, <laughs> oh no, my shirt is wet. Like a lot of I like doing commentary, so for that it was fun. And the CGI Anaconda Piranha was honestly not that bad for when it was made, which I think was the early aughts. But every actor looks like another actor. Like it was like they got people who looked like stars but weren't stars. Would you have watched Piranaconda if we weren't one full year into quarantine? <laughs> Conda don't. Yes. Piranaconda <laughs> don't. Like gills, huh? Hey, that's what I wash my hands to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, th- I, wa- I, for a full year, and this might speak to how, I don't know, I, I this this just speaks to me, I guess. But for a full year, I've been washing my hands to Thong Song, so excellent. It's not going away. It's never going away. And I think when I'm 95, <laughs> I'll still be singing the Thong Song. I I I'm ready for this to live in my brain rent free. If you wouldn't mind just letting us know what part of Thong, thong Song <laughs> yeah, you specifically please. hit. Uh-uh. And if you don't I'm mind, ready. could you do it in your 95 year old lady voice? Yes, <laughs> that part. <laughs> Okay, let's play. Dana, 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 Dana. What is it? Now I'm being pressured. Um, a song, a song, song, song. I like it when your booty goes. <laughs> Baby, make your booty go. What do you want to know? That song, that song, song, song. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wait, um, uh, uh-uh. do you I'm mind doing that one? Do you mind doing that one more time? No, it's not there. That's that's. I'm all. That's all I'm giving you. I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna give more than that because then no one's ever gonna. You know, I got. I was. Keep, I want. I want people wanting more. You know what intrigue. I mean? Intrigue. I was yes. just nervous if that was twenty seconds. Dana. Mystery. Mystery. <laughs> it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> but if I sing it in my older voice. I don't have to watch, or I don't have to sing as much of the song anymore. I love it. <laughs> I I don't actually sing. I know that was, but let me tell you what I do, y'all. I Alice. start at one. I'm like Tina. I just count, but then I stop. I I stop around thirteen, fourteen, because I'm like, oh, great, 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 and then I go to like rinse and wipe. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't do twenty. So then I go back and then I restart. <laughs> again from one and then i'm like well can i just do six and i'm like well just do the whole 20 i've literally gotten to 18 <laughs> before and stopped <laughs> restored it i was like ah stop just do 20 se- lionel just do 20 and you know they're clean so then i do 20 seconds and know it's clean and then i wipe my hands and that is why my hands look terrible <laughs> thank you although i don't know about y'all but my hands are in better shape than normal Right, like now, because I am notoriously terrible at moisturizing in general, like yeah. hands, face, body. Like I, I like never. Well, I, not never, but I would rarely moisturize before to the point where it got really bad. And now, like every time after I wash my hands, I put lotion on them. So now my hands are actually doing better than they were before. You know, I'm learning. I'm growing. I've used this opportunity to <laughs> better yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of using an opportunity to better yourself. <laughs> you are on it with the segues. Yeah, turn strong. It feels like we all knew it was time to segue, but no one could figure out what the segue was, and then Dana found it. I just found it. Oh. I just found it. Today we're going to be talking about people who don't use opportunities to better themselves and instead <laughs> proclaim cancel culture and um, cry. So... We talking cancel culture. Cancel yeah, culture, baby. baby. Versus accountability. What are the differences? What are the pros, cons? All of it. I don't know where to start, though. <laughs> <laughs> there is so many. I mean, I feel like I feel like I don't know the way the way people use it now versus like the fact. I mean, the fact that it's been around for a long time. Like, I, like that's always been a thing. You know, people speaking out in support of Palestine, get like losing their jobs. That's always been a thing. But now that like cis white men in positions of power can't say whatever the fuck they want without facing consequences for their actions, suddenly we have a term for it and it's cancel culture. And suddenly it's like a problem. Um, Precisely. Yeah. I mean, you know, a bunch of historical figures that have spoken up and um, 
including about Palestine, but in general, just fighting for people's rights when before it was, you know, culturally accepted, they they were fired. They were silenced. They were, you know, they were they were people tried to inject fear into them so that they didn't say the things that um, you got to fight for your right. right. For privilege. No, <laughs> but for real, it's like, it is an interesting conversation when you put the two together, though, like accountability versus cancel culture. And I think if there's not a lesson that someone can learn, if there's not a way which you create room for someone to change, then it's cancel culture. And the accountability is the idea that like my opinion to your actions comes with giving you a chance to change. And like, I think there are opportunities where like 100% let's talk about it. But I also think there's other times where like to wait on someone's accountability is also detrimental to like your existence. So I think there's one side of cancel culture that like operates from a position of power and a position of like harm. And then there's another side of cancel culture that operates like your opinion is different than mine. And because it's different than mine, I'm going to shame you. At least to me, that's how I felt. It's so hard to... There are some things that a person in the public eye, like a public figure with a platform, can say that I think should be grounds for them losing their platform at least for enough time where they have time to, like, understand that that was wrong and not acceptable to do in the public eye. Or, I mean, to think that way privately, frankly. But I think it's, it's hard for people and I think hard for us as a society and like global community to come to a consensus of like what constitutes that kind of rhetoric and what constitutes an expression of opinion that might be flawed but either is the result of ignorance or like just a difference of opinion um and like you know i have ideas for myself of like where that line is but i think the fact that like everyone has a different sense of where that line is and has different things that are like more sticking points for them makes it really hard to differentiate between when accountability is due and when like removal from a platform is the safer solution for the people actually being affected by the rhetoric. And I think too, like there is a a tendency to focus on the people who said the thing and then are being canceled versus the people who are directly impacted by that thing. And I don't necessarily like, know what the solution is to you know when we talk about it but i do feel like it's worth bringing up that like we always talk about the person who said the shitty thing versus like the people that that was said about and what they want from that person like whether they want them to lose their platform or whether they want them to take responsibility and Mm -hmm. apologize publicly or whether they want them to just move on right because the person that's getting canceled is always the loudest person in the room too yeah like, mm-hmm. they're always shouting and saying how how dare you um i you know it's a very convoluted and nuanced subject obviously <clears throat> but i will say that something like misinformation and racism is a virus on its own and the more that people talk about it and the more that people post about it it becomes more and more of an issue um like we talked about you know Donald Trump using the China virus and now Asian Americans are experiencing a lot more hate. Um, And you talk about misinformation. Once again, Donald Trump being removed from platforms, something like 63% of misinformation was immediately um, gone. Just him being removed. And it's the problem is now our society is built... We use, I'd like to think that we used to have some sort of decency before now, but the problem is now when people get canceled, they just find a different place to shout their lies and their racism and their shitty hate. Like, Kara, I can't remember her name, Kara something from The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Remember her name? Gina Carano. Gina, yeah, sorry, Gina Carano. It was in there. Um, Yeah, it was somewhere in there. It was in there. She continued to post these things that were, like, um, definitely... It was, like, Nazi rhetoric. It was anti-Semitic. It yeah. Was and then racist. she finally was... she finally connected the Holocaust, the plight of the Jews during the Holocaust, with Republicans and conservatives in this country um, speaking out 
and how they're treated in this country. And that's what finally got her fired. Even though one could argue that before she got to that point, she should have been fired. But now she is, she's gone to Ben Shapiro. Now she has a, uh, you know, things in the works. The trouble now with cancel culture is that these people are now finding an alternative route and an alternative audience to spew their hate and their misinformation to, to like, uh, further divide us. So it's, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I know, I know that, I certainly know that, like, they do need some sort of accountability to this, obviously, because look at the numbers, you know, the numbers shoot up with racism and, and, you know, misinformation, the more that they're, that they're talked about. But what? Because what we're doing now isn't, isn't, one could argue is not really working because they're just finding an alternative to say they're, they're bullshit. You know what I well, mean? Yeah. And I feel like I am less inclined to trust when someone comes back from being canceled and is like, I've learned, I'm better. I'm like, are you, or do you just want your platform back? Do you want the spotlight back? And that's a problem in and of itself. Like then there's no room. And I'm not saying this for everyone. Obviously there are really shitty people who don't deserve to have a platform, but just thinking about, and I think the, obviously I don't agree with anything that, um, what's her name said the tides are and rightly so in our favor a lot of people in our industry are aligned with our beliefs and so people who are canceled and fired for the things that they do are fired because of course we know they're problematic thinking and bigoted in some way but if it it does scare me in a way because it's like okay well what if the tables turn the other way then we will then be canceled or we could be canceled for the having the opposite view so then there's also a fine line of like punishing people for their thoughts versus you know but the thing is we've already like people of color queer people like have already been can quote unquote canceled for who we are but in like more subtle and insidious ways mm-hmm. already all the time. Like the culture that we live in is set up to devalue and deny opportunities to marginalize folks in a way that basically in effect does like a similar thing to what quote unquote canceling people does, which is like take away their platform for what they believe or what they represent. And so I feel like, yes, it is tough to, like, say, well, like, where do we draw the line at, like, so much policing, like, what people think and what they express and, like, what if it turns on us? But it's already being used against us in quiet ways and in the ways that our structures are set up. So I think, like, I, I get the concern and it does, it's a thing that scares me every day of, like, well, you know, what if me, you know, speaking out on this podcast costs me jobs in the future. But number one, for me, like, if if what I say on this podcast makes people who might employ me mad maybe I don't want to work for them because our values don't align but also like it's already something that we suffer from but that we're told is like just the normal way that things are for us and so I I don't even know where I'm going with this I'm struggling because I mean because I even even like that last comment you just said like I I hear you on that and like that's a very good point but I don't actually ever feel like I've been canceled I feel like I've been dehumanized but I don't feel like I've ever been canceled as a person of color or someone in the LGBT and meaning that like there's something about cancel culture is honestly only something that can be done to to privilege to someone with privilege because like if you cancel something that means that you can exist without it but like in the big scope like yes I could cancel my next door neighbor if he like I watched him like hit his wife or something right like I can we can art of cancel someone every single day but like really cancel culture is just when you remove someone of power like when you take power away from a group of person in in my thoughts um versus if you aren't in power or all you can do is hold that person accountable because if you cancel them you remove the power so they're a gatekeeper so therefore you can't you can't do anything different but if they don't have power you're just holding them accountable and being like you you fucked up with that or you didn't fuck up with this. I, It feels the same way I feel racism and prejudices. Like, like black people can't be racist 
because race is a structure, is a construct. But you can be prejudiced. Like I can have a thought about other racial groups, but like I'm not in a racial group of power. So I can't necessarily be racist because I'm not taking away something from someone because I as a black person don't have that privilege. So that's why I feel like with cancel culture, it is like a sense of like ultimately like stripping power away from someone because they're in a, uh, a privileged spot and accountability to me just feels like someone who's not in that. I don't know. That's just wrestling in my mind right now. Like as we've been talking, I mean, for, I can speak for my community. I can speak for the Palestinian community. I think um, the threat is real to speak up about who we are. Um, and I think the the way that cancel culture is used um, is to inflict fear upon us so that we don't say anything and so that we just kind of quietly go into the night, essentially. Um, and I know that that, that that seems like an exception to the rule. But I, I, there's something about, I keep thinking about the shame episode that we did with Lane. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully, this is a plug to listen to that episode because it's pretty great. Um, but I'm thinking about, well, if somebody doesn't feel shame on their own and they continue to inflict harm onto the public, where is the line? Where do we draw the line? Well, and is shame the best way to make someone change right but if they don't if they're not feeling it on their own if they're content like ted cruz i mean fuck like the things that he has done i mean all of these people on the conservative or republican side that have been quote-unquote canceled or haven't been canceled and we see the damage that they do when they're not held accountable for their actions when they're not you know made as a, a example of of what not to do in society or we can talk about donald trump like the king of them all how he was able to become president and the harm that it was uh that it did to our um infrastructure of truth and lies and like how millions of people are now in a cult (laughs) do you know what i mean when you when we when we justify behavior when we let people keep their their keep their jobs keep their position of power when they've done things to inflict harm onto society it has a really negative effect i think on our ability to to um behave in a, a decent manner just as a society because if when you see somebody that continually um is racist is terrible is it just like a bad human and he gets away with it he's able to do all of these things then it opens this door for other behaviors like that's why i think there's such a high rise of of hate against us and you know marginalized people it's because it you know the the (laughs) the one that was president for four years opened that door and said hey it's okay to do this yeah and like the consequences for that person never equal the consequences that their words had on so many other right. people. Right. But I also like just thinking about like, you know, the people I can think of who in recent years have been like canceled. A lot of them are like people who faced public criticism and that was the extent of it. And now they're like crying. I was canceled when Like, they didn't even, you know, they didn't lose their Twitter account. They didn't lose, like, their jobs. Like, there is a certain, I think, disconnect. Like, Colin Kaepernick is a person who was canceled and lost work for doing a thing that hurt no one. Right. Like, that, I think, is a, can't like, quote-unquote, I don't know. I just always feel the need to put quotes around canceling because i feel like the way the term is used means so many different things well because it's a way that people are using it to like i'm just over here rattling because i keep going back to i just it's being used in such a selfish way that like i get fucking pissed at people who aren't of color that keep using cancel culture and like that is ultimately what bothers me. Like exactly what you're about to say about Colin Kaepernick, which I'll let you take the reins on that. But there's this other element of our society that is like, I don't like that. And so I'm going to cancel you. 
there's this like camaraderie to canceling when like canceling is actually hurting a lot of groups of people. And I feel like now it is just an arbitrary term that is used. It's the same way that like sis, oh my God, yeah. It's like, it feels like that. Like the tr- it's so trivial for people who are just using it freely, in my opinion, that like I have such a problem with cancel culture as a term now. I hear that. Yeah. I certainly hear that for sure. Oh, I just like, I think, I think we're talking about the exact same thing, Lionel. And I'm glad you said that because I think it articulates so clearly, like there are some people who use the term, I, you know, I, I am being canceled or I'm going to cancel, like to mean public criticism and that's it. Like there are no actual concrete consequences for these people who like might fucking deserve it, you know, like, like, yeah, like people like JK Rowling who like said all that turfy bullshit like you know people were mad that she got quote-unquote canceled she didn't lose her Twitter like she was still allowed to say horrifying things about the trans community and like you know people stopped buying her but she didn't face any like she didn't lose jobs she didn't lose shit she was allowed to keep promoting a you know a company that sells like things that you know promote trans erasure and and violence against trans people like that's that's how people I think in power a lot of the time use I am being canceled is to be like I'm facing criticism from a lot of people and I don't like it and I don't want to you like listen to that or take it in or respond to it see you like nominated for an Emmy yeah right yeah Uh, that's not you're not being canceled you're being called out for saying a horrifying thing and then also for her in her like situation specifically not just for saying the one thing because I can I can get I mean I don't get being a turf but I can understand saying a shitty thing out of ignorance being told that that's actually really hurtful and damaging to a community and then being like oh my god I had no idea sorry for saying that um but but she doubled down. Mm-hmm. She fought back and she like went extra hard in the opposite direction instead of like actually listening to the people that were hurt by what she said. So I think like it's that doubling down for me that actually is grounds for like you should fucking lose your platform if you refuse to listen. I don't know. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, this makes me think about Katherine Heigl and I wanted to like pull up like stuff about her. Like people have their opinions of her. Perfect example to me of how like we use the word cancel and then we come back and we're like, maybe we could have held her accountable for like, I'm not even agreeing with this, but the optics of like how she handled her situation. But for anyone, Katherine Heigl was a, uh, she was on Grey's Anatomy. She was like one of the original season members. And in season four, um, in a statement, Heigl announced uh, she had pulled out of the Emmys contention because she didn't think her role in season four was given the right material. And she goes on to say, like, I did not feel I was given the material this season to warrant an Emmy nomination. And in an effort to maintain the integrity of the Academy organization, I withdrew my name from the contention. And she was instantly canceled. Like, people used the term cancel her because of she was being a diva and then it was expressed that she acted like a diva on set. And then now... The way Katherine Heigl stood up for herself is 100% the movement of how we tell women, no, speak up, say the thing that you want to do. And so to me, a woman's career was 100% taken away because of cancel culture itself. Whether or not people want to say she's a diva or I don't like calling women this, but like other words, there's a precision that people who are in marginalized groups have to tiptoe around in order to not be canceled and doing everything perfectly in a way that other people don't like just, I'm just, that's just uh, the optics of her being canceled really stood out to me for that situation. Like, I don't think it deserved to be canceled is what I mean, but that's like what cancel culture does. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know did what? Did that make any sense yeah, at all? Did. I yeah, it absolutely crazy. did. I just, I, it honestly just feels like it's not a conversation anymore with, with a lot of things like, I feel like we're we're missing a step. This is nuance. There are people that you know deserve to no longer hold positions of positions of power, but I don't. I just don't feel it's like it's not a conversation anymore. It's like it's it's an immediate. Yeah, like I'd rather see a company. Them. I'd rather see a company instead of firing people immediately based on what they tweeted, 
say like, okay, we're going to take this person and we're going to do some education and some whatever to try to help figure out what's going on. And maybe if we can like reevaluate these values or whatever, like I would rather see companies instead of fully letting people like firing people and getting rid of them contribute to the uh, evolution of their thinking. That'd be interesting. That'd be totally interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, but now I think we're in the territory of like, I think kind of on smaller levels, we're having the conversation of like, well, then how do we do that re-education process responsibly and in a way that actually, like, has an impact? You know, because I think so often, like, I just think of, like, diversity and inclusion initiatives at companies and, like, like counseling and mentoring initiatives at companies that are, like, all run by, like, white people, cis people, like, straight people, and like that that not being enough but then it, we get into the territory of like well then do we need like people of color and queer people to be doing that work. the labor of this in particular in the workplace of mm-hmm. like educating the people who are saying shit that's directly harmful to them in their own workplace so like i just I, I, i'm sure there is an answer but i it's hard for me to imagine like, I think that I, I do think there should be a road to redemption and a road to a person, you know, proving and demonstrating through their actions, like concrete actions that they have changed and have taken on board, like what they've learned. Um, but I also think like at, at some point, like if you keep someone around who keeps saying hateful things, that's also keeping someone around who's created a toxic work environment for other people in that workplace and it's not in every situation but it is sometimes asking of them to like continue dealing with this person as they go on their journey and to deal with that journey Mm. and in some cases I think that's not acceptable and I do think like people sometimes you do need to just fire a person and sometimes that is like for certain people that is the only way that they're going to learn so I mean I guess what I'm saying is there is I think there is no one way to deal with people who say horrifying shit and I also think I mean I always come back to the idea of like cancel culture means so many different fucking things and I think like we need to be as a culture we need to be more specific about what we're actually talking about are we talking about Colin Kaepernick or are we talking about like uh, some white dude who said something really racist and didn't lose his job but faced criticism on Twitter like those are two wildly different things that are the same term as used for, and I don't think that's right. Right, because now they're the, the the Republican side is co-opting cancel culture as their own to make an excuse to say and do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like I hear it used no more, like in no sphere more often than I do in the sphere of fucking stand-up comedy, like white cis dude comics making racist jokes making misogynistic homophobic jokes and then like being called out for it you know by like people who were in the audience or someone on twitter and like then being like i'm being canceled for my free speech or for something that was just a joke and i'm like like for the most part you didn't lose any gigs like sometimes you got more gigs off of saying that horrifying thing so like i don't I don't understand what the cancellation is here. Is it that people were mad and they expressed that to you? Because that's not, you're not being canceled. Well, you're yeah, just being sometimes, criticized. Sometimes it's a power move by someone. It's not an yeah. actual, like you said, it's not an actual cancellation. It's like so, some group of people speaks out to like get that person to have less of an impact, to have less of a following, to lose followers, to lose people that want to work with them to lose people who care about them but it's not they're not being canceled by losing their job they're just being socially canceled by other people who think that they're doing something wrong yeah and even if you are like canceled by losing your job or whatever like gina carano like first of all she's not canceled she still has jobs she just lost one job and like we live in a capitalist society i roll i roll but like companies are well within their rights to fire people at will that is i don't like that things are that way but that is the way things are so suddenly being mad about that when you benefit from that system in every other way like gina carano like sorry but like that's the system that you help 
to flourish. So, like, at a certain point, like, I don't, I mean, at any point, I don't feel bad about her, you know, losing a single job. But also, like, she made her way into the industry and up to where she got to. People turned their heads and didn't pay attention or didn't speak up. Like, it's such an interesting, I don't know, I feel very controversial about this because it's such a, I obviously side with y'all on the way I feel about things and the way I feel about equal rights. Like, all of that is equally, I'm, I'm with you. But when it comes to the structure of our society and the structure of the industry, like, she got there. And nobody said a fucking word until the internet got mad about it. And then she got fired. So, like, that that's kind of where I'm like, okay. That's I'd why I'm saying people... I feel like that's why I feel like cancel culture is a what's hot. It's become arbitrary in that way where yeah. it's like, oh, this is what we're being canceled for now. Cool. Great, 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 great. Mm-hmm. Like Roseanne. You cannot tell me Roseanne never acted like that before. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. She <laughs> like, absolutely it's... did. One hundred percent. Yeah, she did that probably the entire her entire fucking career. Her it's life just when it was publicly out there for people to see and be offended by, and enough people spoke up. Like if if enough people didn't speak up, it never would have gone anywhere. And so it's like it's not even it's just like a bigger issue with our culture. And I don't know. Do we think that cancel culture is a measurement of? I'm just asking a measurement of social or um, professional, like. Do you find that cancel culture is measured by social activities or by professional activities? Like what what how, how do you feel like people measure someone being canceled? Both. It depends on who they are. If it's someone who's just an Instagram influencer, then it's a social thing. If it's someone who works for a big company, then it is a professional thing. And I think it depends on like which version of cancel culture we're talking about yeah. too. Like what they're being canceled for, like what platform they used to say the thing that now they're being canceled for. I, I like, like if it's Louis CK, mm-hmm. what do you all feel? And you could be wrong. I'm just opening up a question. Um, or, or I guess you don't have to answer. <laughs> you can you're be wrong, wrong but to you're, be you'll wrong. be wrong. <laughs> you'll probably be wrong, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a little bitch. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, truly, like, do we feel like the measurement of Louis C.K. was by how many people were on board watching his career fall apart or him being removed from gigs? Like, is there a measurement of, like, canceled? I think is it both. when we as a society? Yeah, yeah that's well, it. it seemed like both, and then, but he's still been working. Yeah, he like didn't lose that many actual tangible jobs or gigs. He just went underground and kept working. Yeah, that article came out, and I think like his team decided like it's you. You got to be like sit on the back burner for a bit. Like, don't make waves. So like, I don't think he actually lost that much work. I think like information came out about him. And his, that his situation makes me so fucking mad, too, because, like, not only did he come back, not even a full year later, like, 11 months later, to a sold-out crowd, like, a surprise, too. He showed up at a show unannounced and, like, re-traumatized a whole bunch of women in that audience. And, like, oh, and now he's making all kinds of jokes, like, mocking survivors of school shootings. Like, he's really, he's done the double-down thing that I talked about earlier of, like, doubling down on the thing that you know, got me, or at least partially got me, quote unquote, canceled. And like, instead of learning from it, and like, maybe expanding the way I think I'm going to double down, and I'm going to keep saying even shittier and shittier stuff. But also by his actions, and and for those who don't know the situation, basically, what he was largely canceled for was a pattern and a history of exposing himself to women who he like managed to get a loan and basically he would like force them to look at his junk and like <laughs> it, yeah i mean it's gross and it's and sad also, it's gross it's, but it's, it's so sad, sad. It's gross and it's it's just like it's it's evil but with him and i know i'm ranting but like this is something that just for some reason gets my ears really hot and like this is one of the things that i i, I mean anyway number one he built a lot of his career and his success on being like the guy, the straight white dude comic who gets it, who gets how hard it is for women and like will make jokes about how terrible men are. Like 
a big part of his show, Louie, which I loved for a time, yeah. I thought was great, yeah. was, like, him realizing and, and understanding, like, how shitty white dudes can be and, like, the ways men are dangerous to women and, like, using that as a central part of his comedy. That's a lot of what made him successful. Meanwhile, he's living a secret life where he is actively shitting in the face of that understanding. Like, he understands that men are bad and he's doing the things that make men bad. And also, he, like, ruined the lives of so many young women. He traumatized so many young women. And in a way, he canceled them before they could even get started. He canceled their careers because either they stood up to him and he made it impossible for them to work because they rejected him, or they didn't do shit they were traumatized. They didn't want to go into a writer's room again, or they didn't want to go to a comedy club again for fear that shit would happen again. So they didn't get the careers that they could have had. So like, yeah, he was canceled. And then he came back shittier than ever. But also he canceled so many careers that could have been amazing. He canceled so many people, in effect, losing them work because he traumatized them, or because he spoke out against them because they rejected him. So like, I think we need to also think about like, when people are canceled, how many other lives have they canceled with their actions? And I think, and then I wonder again, I'm not sticking up for him, but just for conversation's sake, is there a way at which he would have still had his gigs, but then spoke to the shit that he did? Or in this situation, is canceled, you can't come back? I guess that's the thing. Like, it's canceled, you can never come back, or it's canceled, when you come back, you better have your shit together. That one. I mean, look at... When you come back, you gotta learn. We could talk about Aziz, too, because that happened at Mm -hmm. the same time. Clearly not the same situation. This stuff is nuanced, obviously, but Aziz um, went through what he went through and then came back and his special was talking about all of it and talking Mm -hmm. about um, the mistakes that he's made and learning from it. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Um, But, that you know, that's... we We can talk about the opposite side of the coin of somebody trying to do the work and not always being successful no, but like but putting in trying, the effort yeah and then how much do we center on their journey and how much do we center on the victim right that's, and the harm that's the problem and the impact too. because like you can atone and apologize and and do better in the future but the harm was still caused so how much do we center the journey that this person is on to redemption and how much do we center how we can help the person who has already been affected, how we as a society can lift them up. And I think that is where uh, we fall short a lot. I also yeah. think that we lump everybody together in all the situations together, and mm-hmm. the stuff is very nuanced and should be treated, every situation should be treated differently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do, well, I mean, like, marginalized people are not a monolith. And I do think, you know, like what you were saying earlier, Tina, about like, is it then on the people who are being harmed to educate? And I'm, as we've talked about before, like some people don't feel that harm in the same way and are able to do that work. And I think the hard thing with our society, sorry, that was just a thought that I wanted to tag on to that previous thought. This is what we're talking about now, which is when someone is canceled, what happens when they come back? Do we center on their journey? I mean, do you want other people to learn from them? Yeah. If they're doing the right thing, then yes, we do have to center on their journey, at least some, so that they can be an example. Because if we cancel people and they come back, but we don't let anyone see that they've grown and progressed and tried, then we're not setting an example that says, like, you can come back. You just have to be better. Mm -hmm. So I do think that we have to... I think, and that's kind of what you keep saying, Tina, is, is just making me realize that the problem, a, a big problem, is obviously that there are shitty people who have power and platforms to, like, say and harm, but that you're totally right, we're not lifting up the other side of the story. Because with someone who, I can't remember what we were talking about, what what exact thing I'm thinking of earlier, but saying, like, um, oh, you were saying people of color and LGBTQ people are canceled all the time. Like, do we just keep canceling people who don't qualify for, for exemption from that? Like, if if people of color and LGBTQ people, and that sounds, I don't think that that's coming out the way that I mean it to, but, like, if we, we don't, we definitely do not want to cancel people of color and LGBTQ, uh, any, you know, like, any marginalized groups. But then, do we not give grace to pe- to other people? Like, 
I think the difference is canceling someone for a fact of their existence, for the fact that they are brown, the fact that they are queer and make you uncomfortable by how queer they are. Like, people are denied jobs because they look a certain way, because they portray a certain, like, version of queerness that makes people uncomfortable or, or like, that an employer doesn't want around. Like, there is people losing opportunities for, you know, just who they are, and then there's people losing opportunities because of things that they choose to say. And I think those two need to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, like, the tendency is to lump it all together, and I think, like, when people cry cancel culture who are in positions of privilege, I think part of the, like tactic is to align yourself with the person who is being quote-unquote canceled like like the Kaepernick like it's like fucking like Gina Carano trying to align herself with Colin Kaepernick when those two things are not the same it really at all right so she tried to align herself with the holocaust survivors like or yeah yeah so yeah I think like that too is like it we have to be clear about what it is that we're talking about yeah, I guess I'd rather see us lift up the people who are getting can- canceled or losing work for the wrong reasons. I definitely think that we need to be lifting those people up. But like when we see, when we continue to see that canceling someone with a platform, which I just did quotes around canceling, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, canceling someone makes them double down, then like, first of all, we're f- they're fucked. Like, that's it. Like, you've now solidified their feeling about that forever. Like, that's it. So shaming people and canceling them doesn't necessarily Mm. feel like an effective way to change a mind, to make an impact, to set an example. But like also, it's kind of how I feel about the justice system. Like punitive, punitive recourse isn't always going to be the way to like get. If we want to mend society, then we have to include everyone in that mending. And sometimes that's really fucking ugly and it's people that we don't want to help. But like that also has a ripple effect. And mm-hmm. like also I'm a contrarian and also I always fight for the wrong side when people are like on one thing. So I'm sorry. But like don't apologize. No, this is a, it's it's nuanced. It makes me think it makes me think of the Trump voters and it makes me think of like millions of people in a cult and how there are these really um interesting cool companies that are coming out of this that are established by people who were in a cult previous to this and then who found the light got out of the cult and now they are establishing companies to then reach out to QAnon supporters Trump supporters these people who you know a lot of our society just want to cancel right so many people are like cancel Trump Trump voters you know I don't want to talk up to Trump voters this and this and that, right? Just raising my hand over here. Yes. No, I mean, and, I and it's not, I'm, I'm sure I've said it too, but the thing, and, and if we're being objective about it, the thing that's going to pull people out of that specific cult is not um, canceling them. That's the honest truth. And we have to live with, this is millions of people that we're talking about now. Millions of people that are stuck in this hole. And now they are in a cult, and the the solution to that isn't the solution to that is um you know companies like this who are are reaching out to have a dialogue and the thing that they say that they do immediately is say i understand where you're coming from right they kind of find their way in that way and then they start to Help them see the light. It's the same thing with that guy. um, Forgive me, I don't know his name. But he was a black man who turned a hundred, something like a hundred neo-Nazis. Oh, yeah. Out of, out of the racist bullshit that they were in. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is like everyone's, I'm not saying that this is everyone's lane. It certainly isn't mine. I died, that is not my lane. And I'm, I'm not saying, you know. But I do see that the things that make the most um, headway, like that man, uh, was kind of leveling with somebody, as opposed to get the fuck out of here, cancel from society. And like I said, this is nuanced, right? This is very nuanced. There are people out there that uh, this is not something that I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. This, this is nuanced, right? Every situation is different, but... 
when we when we talk about like what is working quote unquote what is having a copacetic society where we can live with each other those routes have proven to work i guess i i keep going back to what lionel said earlier about like you have to be in a position of privilege to be canceled because you have to have something to lose uh-huh. but i think at the same time you have to have power to cancel. Right. Like, me not wanting to talk to Trump voters ever again doesn't cancel them. That just means they don't get to talk to me without me being mad about it. Right. So, I, like, I also, I don't, like, I think this gets back to, like, my theme of the episode for me personally, which is, like, we need to be clear about what canceling means. Because we're we've already used it in so many different ways to describe so many different situations that are all so that all require different techniques. And that's why it just feels floaty. It just feels like a floaty topic. And that's what makes it hard to stick up for it and also to defend it. Like, I I just think can't... It's it's a bullshit term. I just think it's a bullshit term because it's people using it to fit their agenda. So there's no way to, like, hold the accountability on either side, in my opinion. Um I, I, I struggle with it because Asia, I, to your point, that I agree the exact same way that it's if we fight too hard to be like you're canceled no matter what you do. If we if you try, you're taking focus away. If you don't try, you don't want to show up. But also like look at who you're hurt. It's like it really is a hard term to like justify. And I just think that the root of cancel culture is like shaming. Like, how can I publicly shame someone? Well, and I mean, I just want to back up a little bit to Dana, what you were saying about like the guy who converted KK members, KKK out of the KKK. Like, find um, his name. Yeah, find it. Um, in terms of canceling people, and okay, uh, we may have talked about this on a previous episode, or maybe we just talked about this internally when we've been discussing topics for episodes. But basically, Sarah Silverman had an interview where she's talking about. A friend of hers who was in the KKK or was a neo-Nazi, I can't remember exactly what, and she was talking about how detrimental cancel culture is when, because if you cancel someone who is a racist, is a bigot, and they respond, Tina, in the way that you were talking about, like just shouting about it and being mad about it, they're just going to go back to the people that agree and who are not mean to him. And that doesn't change anything. That doesn't change society. It doesn't help him grow. He just goes back to what's comfortable and to where people aren't going to yell at him anymore. And so for me, like, cancel culture in a lot of ways does the opposite of what we intend for it to do. And by we, I mean not any of us on this podcast because I don't think we cancel anyone. Right. Uh, His name is Daryl Davis. And yeah, like I just said with Gina uh, Gina Carano, (laughs) I still don't know her name. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like, good. I'm ashamed. I refuse to remember it. (laughs) But she has now, she now still has her platform and now has found her audience somewhere else. Right? Yeah. Yeah. She's not learning from the terrible, horrible things that she's saying. Clearly. It's like Tommy Loren. I love when people mess up her name, too. That's fun. (laughs) Tarney. Tammy. Tony. Um, Is it Tommy? (laughs) Tommy. But on the oh god, this is so convoluted. But on, then you on cancel the someone like Pepe Le Pew, and you're like, what? Oh yeah, then what happened with Pepe Le Pew and Doctor Seuss? Oh my god, this episode's so like, long. Like literally, this episode's so long. I mean, honestly, it's our last episode of the season, so, so like, deal with I, and it. this is such a juicy topic <laughs> that I'm fine with this being a long episode. Buckle in, listeners. We're just getting started. <laughs> deal with it, everybody. <laughs> Three more hours. <laughs> Um, Dana, what else are you doing? It's quarantine. It's you can. Quarantine. I listen to like ten podcasts a day. Yeah, same. Um, Pepe Le Pew was can't. Pepe Le Pew got canceled out of Space Jam Two because of his uh, <laughs> bad actions towards the lady cat, and oh. people are mad. What did like, he do? Like, I don't know what he did. Oh, Pepe Le Pew would like corner this kitty cat, and she was not interested, and he would continue to pursue That's her. It was right. very rapey. It was very yeah. It was very rapey. And it is it is problematic. And I'm like, cool, that's a great thing to get rid of. You like great. I don't I'm not gonna miss Pepe Le Pew making a woman stay somewhere out uh, when she's not willing to do that on 
a cartoon. <laughs> I'm like, if you're you're getting, and now people are like, well, you better cancel Miss Piggy too because she does the same thing to Kermit. And then somebody else was like, oh, are we canceling? They named some other thing, and I was like, it just. <laughs> Can you please focus on something that fucking matters? Not on a yeah. Some people have cartoon. real problems, like the Republicans focusing on Dr. Seuss. Which, by the way, it was up to the creators of of Dr. His Seuss. Estate His decided estate decided to His do it. His estate fucking did it, and, and they didn't still cancel like all of them. They no, just stopped six books. printing six books. You can still read Green Eggs and Ham, Ted Cruz. <sighs> also, like you, you haven't read a Dr. Seuss book in fifty years, Pamela. Like. <laughs> Jesus. And now Pamela. suddenly you're like Pamela. mad about it. <laughs> and also like Peppy Le Pew didn't get canceled. He's just not going to be in Space no, Jam. No, they're not That's deleting not a cancel- his and cartoon. And he's an animated character. He's an Anna. <laughs> it's a cartoon. Who cares? He's made it up. People need stuff to be mad about. They'll be mad about yeah, anything. Anyway. And move on. Politics of distraction. That's really what it is. And that's what mm-hmm. they use. That's that's what they use cancel culture for is politics of distraction. And it is because we are not specific on the definition, which is to speak to what all three Tina's of you are saying. saying. Yeah. Well, like we're not specific on what it is or what it should be, or when it is accountability versus when it is cancel culture. Like, Canceling and that's the bigger thing. problem. Very cancel culture. The privilege everywhere. Stevie Wonder. Can you believe in things that you cannot define? <laughs> That's why you're mad. <laughs> Cancel culture, lead the way. It's the last season. I'm giving y'all all the bits. Oh my, I'm so I into it. it. I love it. Just keep singing. Going back to everything we were talking about, but Asia, specifically what you brought up about um, like the justice system. Mm. And I just... Because I think we we are in a moment right now where, like, calls for major upheavals of the way our justice system works and the way, I mean, the way incarceration and policing work, like, abolish both of those systems as a whole. Like, the kind of shift towards a restorative justice framework and a community-oriented framework, like, I think is an amazing thing and I think is, I mean, is a direction that I think this country needs to go in. But at the same time, we have to keep an eye on who benefits first and most from this rhetoric and from these shifts? Because, like, I think of the woman who called the police on that bird watcher in the park. What was her name? Amy, Amy? Cooper. Amy Cooper. Ugh. And, like, I think about her and about how, like, she, like, instead of facing, you know, punishment as we understand it in the justice system currently, she, like, did a diversity training and like was you know dealt with a more restorative justice centered approach and like the fact that that system is being used to help people like her versus help you know step one releasing all of the people incarcerated for weed right like the fact the fact that we are prioritizing once again white people in our restorative justice shift also makes me wary of like we can't just make the shift we have to make it in a way that like actually benefits the people that it's supposed to be helping or lifting up and I think too like in our response to people who are on a journey of redemption like Sarah Silverman's friend who like changed their mind and now does work to reach out to like people who are in the same you know kind of neo-nazi mindset that they were in like I think Focusing on their journey, like you said, Asia, like making it public is essential so that people have an example and understand what is happening. But I think we can't do that at the expense of the people who were negatively negatively affected by it can't be one or the other. It has, no, it to, has be to be both. And yeah. yeah. And I think I think where we are failing most right now is in that second one is lifting up pe- the people who are affected and again, like, what they want. And obviously, they're not all going to want the same thing, but, like, at least fucking asking them, like, what course of justice they think is most appropriate and and would help. And you're never obligated. You don't owe anyone forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of grace, and if someone expresses remorse and you want to forgive them, you can do that if you want to, but you are, are never obligated to do that. And the same goes for, like, a public figure. Like, 
the victims are never obligated to forgive them, even if they go on a journey of redemption. Like, and I think we need to allow space for that to exist too. I think that also to the point earlier, no, it's not on the job. It's not on the people of color or marginalized groups to teach, but I think simply being a part of the conversation, being in the room, like, because that way at, there's a reference point, And that doesn't mean like, you're like, I'm going to take control, but there's a black person here. So like I can get away with what I'm doing, but I think creating spaces to where decisions that are being made for bodies of people that look different, have a, accountability team or it's made up of a council of people that represent the people they're speaking for so therefore input is always bidding being part of the put on the table and comp i mean it's capitalist and i hate it but like we live in a capitalist system so for right now compensating those people for the time and work that they expend on that kind of stuff because it is emotionally taxing work like no matter how ready you are for it like it's not it's not easy. Yeah. yeah, I met somebody um, when I was in Kansas City right before, actually, like a year ago, right before everything happened. And she did work. Um, she's a black woman. She did work in uh, corporations of this type of work where it was her job, essentially. And I asked her, I was like, well, is, I assume that that's really taxing. And she said, yeah, it definitely is. But I guess it... Uh, I don't know. I guess there's a lane for everybody and um it's also a skill set. Yeah, and you don't have like don't feel like you have to. Right? If you don't feel like it's part it's it's what you are able to do, then that's okay. And I think and I don't want to make the episode go too long, but I think also here is another <laughs> good time of separating <laughs> separating personal from institution. So I'm speaking just on institution. Hmm. So like your job job forces should have places where you're hiring a diversity and inclusion team. There are people who are diverse and inclusive who go and study that. That is what they do. Like Teach for America, Brittany, that's where she started at. And now that is her platform. She goes into companies and helps them to set up a diversity and inclusion program. Same way you go to your therapist versus going to your friend to give them all your information. So I think uh, institution-wise, it's just saying like, Make your institution form a diversity and inclusion program yeah. versus like forcing the black person who works with you to speak on behalf of black people. Yeah. That's- and commit as an organization to not only implement what that like diversity and inclusion network like says in terms of staffing, but like in terms of the whole structure of your organization and who has the power within your organization. Like, I think a lot of organizations stop at the like, well, we have the committee and they're like, hire these people and that, you know, like it's surface level work. And I think like, I mean, as with everything, it's fucking institutional overhaul. And that's what needs to happen in order for like things to truly be equal and, and fair for everybody and like foster a place where everyone feels respected. But like, you know, it's a start. Yeah. Yep. But again, who is, who is being prioritized on that journey? And I think. Seymour. <laughs> Sad. Seymour butts. Seymour. <laughs> I think, I think the Seymour butts. Um, if you are listening to this, and I guess if you've had fear of speaking up or speaking out, I think the because a lot of work that we had we have done in the past year, or at least I, what I hope a lot of people have done is anti-racist work, and that does mean being honest with your implicit biases, and it does mean being honest about the prejudices prejudices that you've held previous to this right otherwise it's just living in your head and if you don't say it and if somebody says well that's that's racist it's all about the amount of humility that you bring to the table and if you are are scared of being canceled for saying something i think holding a space for humility holding a space for humbleness approaching things that you think might be problematic is the key right because i think for so long we've seen so many people spew this shit and then not want to listen to the other side and and not have any humility at all and that's why i think we've we've gotten to this point where it's like fuck all of these fucking people just say whatever the hell they want and then nothing happens to them 
And then that lets all these other people say whatever the fuck they want, and nothing happens to them either. And so finally, we kind of hit a breaking point, I think, in, in terms of society, of just a complete lack of humility with saying these things. So I think that's that's the key, right? It's coming from a place of learning, coming from a place of humility, and understanding um, that this is all just a fucking journey, you know? Totally. Yeah. That's all I got. That's such a good note to end. On. <laughs> yeah, I I think that that's <laughs> the note. <laughs> that's the note. That's the action item. That's like... that's it. Well, friends, well, everyone, for... be sure to <laughs> wait, 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 rate, 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 review. It's like don't do that close. We have to ask people to follow, <laughs> like us, like us, please. Hey, y'all, thank you for coming to our season finale. Yes. And as always, we're we the people where we like to keep it fresh, fresh. funky, funky, and always unfiltered. Till next time. Bye. <laughs>